0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Hey, all right. We got some hype people this morning. Amen to that. Glory to God. Hey, if we haven't met, my name is Mike. I'm our family life pastor, and it's so good to be able to see you this morning. I do want to encourage you. I want to make a quick announcement. Sunday, September 10th, we are going to three services, 8, 10, 30, and 11, and we're excited for what God's going to be doing in our community. We've been seeing God uh, move mightily uh, through our community and seeing people come and experience a relationship with God and be a part of community here, and so we're excited what he's going to continue to do. Uh, and so I just want to challenge you, hey, if you call Abundant Life your home church, uh, to and if you're not serving to serve. You know, to be able to model to the family, to model to our community uh, of not just our love for God, our relationship with God, but how we care for uh, those in our community. And so in, in order, you know, we we have great and amazing volunteers that sacrificially give their time, uh, not just because we have to, but because we do want to uh, on a weekly basis. But especially going to uh, another service, you know, we, we want to challenge our church to get plugged in and get involved. And so you can find more information on our A-teams on our website, mybuntlife.com, or you can come see us uh, after uh, the service at the Info Central desk. Uh, I've been really thankful for this series, uh, the Bible verse that changed my life. It's been great to hear from all of our pastoral staff. And I'm thankful that I get to be able to share with you today. I'm thankful for Pastor John and Kristen for their mentorship and their leadership and for entrusting me uh, to be able to share this morning. I also want to thank my wife who's watching at home uh, with one of our sick kids. Uh, You know, she puts up a lot with me and for all my shenanigans, but, you know, she is so strong and encouraging uh, and to continue to live in faith. And so today I I, I get to share with you uh, the passage of Scripture that that has mightily impacted and changed my life, and it's found in Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. And before I read it with you today, um, I actually need to kind of set up why uh, this verse has impacted me uh, so much. Uh, See, when I was 15, I, I joined this confirmation class in my church. And a confirmation class is basically uh, set up to help students to grow and understand the fundamental truths of their faith. And my youth pastor is running it, and we met every Sunday uh, on, on Sunday evenings, and we would always be given uh, weekly homework. And I remember one particular Sunday, he challenged us to pick a verse in the Bible that spoke to us, and that we would have to memorize it and share it uh, with the class. And I remember uh, walking in the following Sunday, and can you imagine the one person that happened to forget the homework assignment? Yes, you have guessed correctly. Um, I kid you not, I sat right next to my youth pastor, and he started the class. I all right, class, let's go around the circle. Let's share the verse that you memorized, and you're going to share what it means to you. And I'm thinking, oh, boy. And thank God he started with the person to his left, because that gave me at least like 11 minutes to try to— um, covertly uh, go through the Bible and try to find a verse I could quickly memorize and maybe somehow pick up some significant spiritual message and why this verse spoke to me. And so, like, everybody's going around and sharing the verse. I'm like, uh-huh, cool, awesome. <laughs> and, and I stumbled on this one verse. And sil- finally, you, Pastor, all right, Mike, it's your turn. And so what is the verse that that you memorized? And I said, it's um, Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. <laughs> and the whole class is kind of looking at me. Some people are chuckling. Some people are confused. My youth pastor is kind of just looking at me. is like, what in the world? It's like, why did you memorize that verse? And that At that point, I just couldn't hide it anymore. I was just like, I can't make this up. I thought it was funny and short. And you told me I couldn't memorize the verse that Jesus wept. And so that was literally what I explained to him. And in that moment, you know, being a 15 year old boy, I thought, man, that's funny dog returning his vomit. That's gross, ew. But I had no idea the indication that that verse would have on my life. Because just like everybody else, we all face trials, we all face hardships. And in those moments, we don't always necessarily turn to God. We turn to other things. I turn to sin. Um, you know, when I face the hardships. You know, I, and I've I've never been shy of of, of my past addictions. You know, I, I struggled with addiction to alcohol. I struggled with addiction to pornography. And, and th- thank God that I've been set free. And I always continue to share about that honestly with everybody because I I believe in the power of speaking in that freedom because I believe it it not only continues to solidify that freedom but it also it never gives the enemy a foothold to continue to hold it over me. And so that's. Why I will continue to speak about that. But in that time, it was like that's what I was turning to when something stressful happened or I faced those trials and I didn't know what else to do. And yet I was still going to church. I was still actively involved uh, in youth group and serving. And yet I would see God move mightily in other people's lives. And yet here I was feeling like I was so inadequate to experience the power of God because of the guilt and because of the shame and because of my past mistakes that I kept holding on to. And I wanted to see growth, and there's times I felt like, hey, I've taken a step towards God. I've, I've grown, but then that season came, and that trial came, and I took my eyes off of him, and you just feel like you get knocked back even further. And I remember this moment in my life to where I heard God's calling. That God was calling me to raise up the next generation of world changers. I remember kept telling guys, like, God, that, that, there's so many other qualified people for that. Like, like that, that's, that can't be for me. Like, like, do you recognize what I struggle with? Do you, do, you, do you recognize I'm so inadequate? And all I was focusing on was my faults and my failures and my past. And this is when God spoke to me in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Because it was in this passage that, that God showed me that all I'm doing is just focusing on all these other things. And if I would just fix my eyes, if I could just focus in on him, that I would be able to see the light that he has set for me. And the life that has been laid out for me, that if I just follow Jesus in his footsteps, would I be able to accomplish? And it was that encouragement I needed to endure in the hard times and then also in the good times. And that is my that's my prayer for today, that I don't know what you may be going through today. I don't know what seasons may be ahead. But it's not just something that we just are trying to survive to get through, but that we can thrive in this, in this moment. We can thrive in the life that God has set before us by enduring and by persevering, by recognizing all we have to do is just fix our eyes on him. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you again for who you are. God, would you just speak and may our hearts be able to listen. And God, we give you all the honor and praise for who you are and what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I, um, I believe there are a lot of things that are fighting for our attention. There are a lot of things that, that are trying to grab our attention in, in, in today's culture. And I think people that probably feel this the most are parents right now. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. The things that are fighting for your attention just aren't things. They're human beings. Small, loud, stinky uncontrollable, wild, and crazy. Mom, hey, look at me. Dad, hey, come play with me. Hey, look what I can do. Mom, feed me. Dad, wipe my butt. It's, you know, it's like never-ending. And listen, here, <laughs> 1230 this morning, I literally had my five-year-old son, Duke. He, uh, he walked into our room waking us up. In one hand, he had a pull up. In the other hand, he had to wipe. He so like, I pooped. Help me. <laughs> there are things that fight for our attention that are actually really good. Like, like I, I love my boys. I love my son. And, and you know what? Uh, my son, David, he's seven years old. He just called me out recently because we we're wanting to do things. And I was there just looking at my phone. He's like, Dad, put your phone down. Come be with me. I was like, Dang. I just got schooled by a seven year old. But you know what? He was right. You know, there there are things in this moment that are very important that we need to give our attention to. But there's also things in life that we don't have to be giving our attention to that are not important or not as important. And this is what the the writer of Hebrews, he's trying to address with his audience. that, That the people are paying more attention to their struggles and their hardships rather than God. And, and it doesn't mean that what they were going through wasn't real. Like, like, have you ever had somebody, like, you were facing a very hard situation, and you just had this person that's like, oh, come on, just toughen up. You know, you'll get through this. Like, I do that with my boys. Like, David walked in the other day. He's like, oh, my finger hurts. I'm like, walk it off. He's like, but it's my finger. Walk it off. You know, it's like, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't mean that what we feel is like, oh no, no that's a very real feeling. And I believe that some of the things that we feel it affects us both emotionally and mentally more than sometimes physically. These are very real pains and these are very real struggles. And so the writer is not dismissing these struggles when we're reading this passage, but if he he knows that if any of us if we get our eyes on the trial primarily our focus and our attention to what we're facing, then we are depriving ourselves of what God would want to do if our eyes were on him. So, Because if our eyes are on him and not the distractions, then we can see clearly what God is trying to develop in us and to grow in us. And so don't let your distractions to control your growth. Don't let the, the, the distractions, the things that are happening to dictate how I'm going to grow in this season, because God has something for me. We may not be able to see it, may not understand it, but we have to trust in that and believe that. So when we read this passage, I want to encourage us to consider three things. three things to consider when we read Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. Uh, consider them, consider yourself and consider Jesus. To consider them. It says in in the first part of Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are the cloud of witnesses? The witnesses, these are the men and the women who went before us in faith. If you actually read... uh, Chapter 11 in Hebrews. Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. It's, it accounts uh, just some of those men and those women who were passionately and purposely living a life of faith after God. You have people recognizing they were like, like Abel and Enoch and, and Sarah and Abraham and Moses and, and David, all, all these other believers who looked forward with faith to the coming Messiah. And the author of Hebrews, he communicates throughout this whole chapter, all the men and women of faith that made it because they felt passionate about this cause. And if you actually look at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 9, it says this, All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Then he begins in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, Therefore, everybody say, "Therefore." Any time you see in the Bible where it says "Therefore," the, the writer is trying to get our attention. He's like saying, "Hey, did you just remember what I just said in this previous text? "Therefore, hey, don't miss this, because everything I just said now, I want you to understand what I'm about to say, because now it's going to start pertaining to you and to me. It says, "Therefore." he's referencing these faithful men and women and their life after God. They lived in faith. They knew of the prophecy. They knew of uh, of the Messiah. They knew of Emmanuel, God with us. They knew Jesus was coming. They knew that Messiah was coming. And now we're able to kind of look back and able to see the fulfillment of that prophecy. So we are surrounded by these men and women of faith. For the prize that was waiting ahead. We're surrounded. I love what it says in Psalm 125, verse 1. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people for both now and forevermore. It's not just God that surrounds us. It's the men and women that are mentioned in Hebrews 11. It's the men and women that we know who who were faith legends in our lives who, who left an example and model for us, now they have passed, now that they have joined the men and women that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, that they joined the angels and celebrating, encouraging us, come on, you can do it, come on, you can go. When you look at Luke chapter 15, when you see Jesus use the parables of the, of the uh, lost son and the lost sheep and the lost coin, it, he even talks about the joy before the angels. He said, just so I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God. The writer didn't just say the angels rejoiced, even though they probably were, but there was joy representing before the angels, meaning that other people were celebrating, other people are encouraging us on. You're not in this by yourself. And what I love about our faith journeys is that we don't have to do it alone. That growing in our faith, its it, this is a team sport. That it takes a village to continue to encourage and continue to hold accountable. Like I am not standing here today on my own account, on my own accolades or or, or because of everything that I've done. I am here today because of the men and women that surrounded themselves around me and spoke life into me, and spoke truth, and held me accountable, and encouraged me when I wanted to give up. People like Mike Atkins, and Jeff and Jenny Dixon, and Lou Rakis, and Steve Simpson, and Joe Hinchcliffe, and Lou Rakis, and Dwayne Caron, Patty Lewis, people that you will probably never meet in your lifetime. But those were the people over the course of my growing up years and my faith who surrounded me and modeled for me what it means to live a life passionately and relentlessly after God. And so much so had left that imprint in me to where I want to be able to do that for the next generation. Because I look at this next generation and Gen Z and Gen Alpha and the generations to come, who's going to model it for them? Who's going to be the spiritual father? Who's going to be the spiritual mother? Who's going to be the spiritual leader to invest in them and to take the time and to show them what the word means and how to live this in today's culture and society? Because I know there's going to be a moment to where my life is going to end here on earth. And I'm going to be able to join the surrounding men and women up in heaven to be able to keep pushing and keep encouraging, and keep shouting out to my boys and the, and the men and the women in their generation and the generations to come. Come on, church, are you, are you surrounding yourselves with other people to be encouraging the next generation? Are you surrounding yourself with other like-minded people in faith that is going to see each other to continue to go in this race passionately after God? I'm sorry, I'm a little pa- I'm passionate about this. Because I believe in what God's word says. I believe in God's word and what he's calling us to do. Because nothing determines how you run more than who you run with. So consider them. Consider yourself. Hebrews 12, verse one, the second part. It says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, I, um, I am not a runner. I don't know who chuckled back in the back. I take that personally. Um, Alec, do you mind helping me? Um, I am not, I am no runner, but I've, I, I've looked at this verse uh, over the years, and I've studied um, runners and how they train for races. Sorry. Um, here you go. Um, and how they train for races. Because they'll, they'll use weights when they run to, to grow their muscles and to build their skills. And it, it creates resistance because it's like the more weight, well then it's like when the weights are taken off, like ah, and then you can keep running. It helps make you a stronger racer. And I think in our life, there are weights that we take on uh, that aren't bad. And I love that the writer, he separates weights and sin. Because there is a significant difference. So as a runner, he races. He has these weights. So us as believers, we have weights in our life that are, can be good. Like uh, like this one, it's just busyness. Or this one is, I did not know how else to explain it. Stuff. Okay? Uh, there, there's money. There's social media. There's entertainment. So as a runner, as he runs, I'm not going to run because I'll be out of breath in like 10 seconds. But I'm going to kind walk in a pace, a steady pace. Like as you run this race, you're going to feel the the weight to resist. And, and your body thing is like, okay, just for a little while, it's going to get, it might be hard in this moment. But if my body continues to go, it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's what we think with the, when we carry these weights, like the, the weight of busyness. You know, it's okay to be busy. You know, it's like work can be busy. You know, you have your work schedule. Then you have your family schedule. Like everybody's got like their sports games and the family activities and the vacations and all these things that we got to do. And sometimes we would just go, 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 go. But I remember hearing at one time, um, somebody said, if the devil can't make you sing, he's going to make you busy. See, busyness can sometimes, what it can do, it can take us and get us too busy to have that family devotional time. Or, you know, we may may be praying, we may be talking to God, but busyness may stop us from even wanting to listen to God. Or busyness, it can can stop us uh, to be more God-focused, more others-focused, and busyness can makes us so focused on ourselves. It's busyness. It's 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 not a sin, but it can be this weight that holds us back. Stuff. There's just a lot of stuff that we have, stuff that we do every day. I didn't know living with a wife and two kids that I'd be doing four days out of the seven day week just laundry, just washing clothes. My goodness, it accumulates. And then cleaning the house, dust is everywhere. You know, when's that gonna get done? I gotta make time for that. You gotta take time to clean the garage. You gotta take time to do the landscaping. And what we don't realize is that these things keep building it takes us away from things that God wants to do in our lives. You have money, 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 money. We all wanna make money. We need money to provide. We need money to put food on the table. But sometimes it feels like, man, paycheck to paycheck. Did I just pay the rent? All right, is the car paid off? All right, utilities. Oh my gosh, little Johnny, he needs braces. Uh, little Debbie, she wants a ballerina theme birthday party. That's going to be really stressful. That's money. I'm stressing out, so I'm eating a little Debbie. You know, <laughs> my wife is upset that I'm spending all this money on little Debbies. It just—it's a constant cycle. It's not bad, but it happens. The last one: social media, entertainment. Again. You know, I just studied uh, the average. I'm, I'm working up a pace. Come on. <laughs> do, they, do they make these weights for, like, neck fat? Because that's the thing I need to work on. Look at that. It's like The average American spends 7.4 hours on a screen, not work-related. That includes from, like, Gen Z to, like, boomers. Boomers, you only spend, like, maybe 2.9. I think it's because you're still trying to figure out the screens. Um, <laughs> I mean that in a very loving way. Um, So think of this. If if, if the average person spends seven hours on a screen, not work-related, the average American uh, works an eight-hour day. The average American uh, sleeps for 6.8 hours. That really doesn't leave a lot of time for family. That really doesn't leave a lot of time. Yeah, it leaves time to like eat, do the dishes, to like go to bed. But it doesn't really leave time to be intentional. It doesn't really leave a lot of time for you to be with your spouse. It doesn't really leave a lot of time for us to connect with God. And so, these weights that we have, oh, and the crazy thing, I just read um, an article and plugged in, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more, especially with social media. Social media is being linked more to anxiety, depression, tantrums, both kids and adults, suicide, it, it, it's, it's, it's being linked a lot more, it's because we're spending so much time on a screen, that again, it's not bad. Listen, hey, I, I work hard. I want to play hard. But sometimes it's like, after putting the kids down, it's like, I just want to veg in front of the screen. <sighs> and then when we, we wonder why we're so exhausted and so tired. Because what was probably there to begin to help make us stronger has started to slow us down. That's the weight. The weight, anything in our lives that dims our vision or even kills our passion. Our spiritual vision, our spiritual passion. Oh yeah, and then the sin. The sin in our lives. I, I love the in in reading in different translations with, with God's word. Because you have the sin that is cling to us so closely. Or you have the sin that easily entangles. When you look at the original Greek it talks about binding to where you are completely dogged down. And here's the thing about the differences between weight and sin. Weight is going to slow us down. But sin stops us in our forward progress. We can be in this race and when we face those trials and we face those hardships, it stops us in our tracks. It knocks us back. And now we're carrying around not just these weights, but we're trying to expect to run a race when we're literally chained and encircled and bound that we cannot move. And this is where God is trying to get us to understand that how do we expect to run a race when we are carrying all of this in our lives? Church, this is this is this is the moment to where sometimes we stop. It gets too much, and we start to question faith because we came out with so much momentum coming after God, but then the seasons happen, the trials happen, and and the busyness got the best of us, and, and and we're just struggling to stay afloat. And then when we take our eyes off of God, and, and we and we sin and we mess up, and then the weight of of the shame and the guilt that that carries, it stops us in our tracks. And that's why the writer says, let us throw off every weight and the sin that clings so closely, that easily entangles. This is the moment where church, we need to start inviting the Holy Spirit to help us in our mess, Say, God, please forgive me. I recognize I have not been turning to you. And I need you, God. I need your help. I can't run this race on my own strength. So would you forgive me? Would you give me the strength to forgive myself so that I can begin to lay down the sin that easily entangles, the sin that clings so closely, and let me run from it. Let me turn from it. Here's the thing. A lot of times we want to keep going back. But God, I I need your help. Maybe help me not to even look back and to run this race. These weights, these weights that, you know, were meant to have purpose, that are meant to be good, you know, it starts with just like a small choice, that we think, oh, it doesn't impact this moment. But when we make multiple at a time without holding it accountable, it slows us down. So, some, some, some weights, maybe we just need to say, you know what? I'm going to lay that. I'm going to lay it down. You know, Pastor John was talking a few weeks on John 15 about Jesus being the vine we are, the branches and we remain in him, we're gonna bear much fruit. We can't bear much fruit if we're constantly surrounded by, by these things that, that's constantly challenging our connection with him. So if you know anything about gardening for something to grow health in a healthy way, that we have to prune, that we have to cut some things out. So like some of these ways we have to, again, we have to invite the Holy Spirit, you know what? Hey, with business, hey, I, I can afford to take this off the schedule. I can afford to not have this stuff constantly weighing me down. You know, start talking about, oh, that weight has been lifted. All right, now I can go at a pace that's a little bit faster. We, we, We have to understand that the weights that aren't, not they may not be bad, but is it slowing us down in what God has called us to be doing? So consider them, consider yourself, and the last one is consider him. Consider Jesus. Hebrews 2 to 3, look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Here is the perfect example of living a life of faith. The perfect picture of what it's like to persevere under trial, to walk through hardships, and not be shaken. What is this faith that Jesus has founded and perfected? In other translations, when you go to the original Greek context, you have words like author, originator, leader, if you look at the, the word perfecter, it means completer or finisher. What, what does that mean? Jesus is the originator of the cause that we commit ourselves to. When you take these words founder and perfecter, re- reflecting on leader and completer, this is the Jesus that presented himself. It's the leader of faith in order to encourage other believers to endure in this Christian living. He is the trailblazer. He ran his own race. He he was both god and man. He walked this earth that I walk on. He breathed this air that I now breathe. He faced his own hardships. He he pers- persevered his own trials just like I can persevere my own trials and walk through my own hardships. If you ever felt like you couldn't get through the trial that you're in, listen, I know there are a lot of people today you're feeling discouraged. I don't see God, I don't, I don't hear God, I don't feel God. So we automatically sense that, well, God has abandoned us. And so we get so caught up in the suffering and the trial that we take our eyes off of him. But the writer of Hebrews, he wants to encourage us. Look to Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him. Verse three, consider him who endured, so that we may not grow weary, faint hearted. So what's the writer trying to say? He said, Hey, in this moment, forget the problem. Forget all that is happening here and there. Feel like everything's out of control. And just focus on Jesus. Consider him so that you won't grow weary. Psalm 139, 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Psalm 16, 8, I keep my eyes always on you, Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I can focus on Jesus. Why? Because he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the one to get us started. He's the one that's going to carry us to the finish line. He's going to be the one with us every step of the way. So every time we put one foot before the other, he's going to be our strength. He's going to be the one pushing us through. And we are going to have a cloud of witnesses cheering us on, encouraging us. Come on, one step more, one step more. You can do this. Don't give up on yourself. Don't lose sight. It's when we... Take our eyes off what's happening around us and putting our eyes completely on him. Here's what I want to do. I just want to take this moment to pray. And I want to pray for encouragement for our church body to continue to persevere and to not lose sight of him. Would you pray with us? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. Jesus, you are the founder and perfecter of our faith. It is only through you that we can cross this finish line. As as a runner prepares for a race and and receives a prize that will not last, God, we train our bodies and we go after this, this life and this long, exhausting but purposeful marathon in life for the eternal prize to be with you in heaven. And you have surrounded every one of us, not just with people that have gone before us in faith, but God, you have brought people around us in our lives right now to help encouraging us. And God, I pray for any person in this room or any person that's watching online right now who is struggling by feeling alone, God, that you would bring a team of believers to surround them and encourage them wherever they're at in life. And God, I pray for any person in this room, God, who just needs to invite the Holy Spirit to meet them where they're at, to, to start examining the weights. What needs to get pruned? What needs to be completely laid aside in order to go after you? Or what sin do we need to ask forgiveness of so that we can lay at the foot of the cross and that we can run freely and relentlessly and passionately after you? God, for every one of us, would you help us to fix our eyes on you so that we will not be shaken? We love you, God. Please renew our focus on the purpose that you have given us How remind us that we play such an important part of your perfect will and help us to keep putting one foot in front of the other until we see you in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.